which seems silly when you read it, but when you say it, it sounds a little like her name. The gravel pit is very large and wide, with grass growing round the edges at the top, and dry, stringy wildflowers, purple and yellow. It's like a giant washhand basin. Cyril wanted to dig out a cave to play smugglers in, but the others thought it might bury them alive, so it ended in all spades going to work to dig a hole through to Australia. The children dug and dug, and their hands got sandy and hot and red. The hole that was to come out in Australia soon grew so deep that Jane, who was called Pussy for short, begged the others to stop. Suppose the bottom of the hole gave way suddenly, she said, and you tumbled out among the little Australians. All the sand would get in their eyes. The others agreed, but Anthea went on digging. She always liked to finish a thing when she'd once begun it. Someone had suggested going home for lemonade when Anthea suddenly screamed, "Cyril, come quick! It's alive! It'll get away quick!" "It's a rat, I shouldn't wonder," said Robert. "Oh, don't be silly," said Anthea. "It's not a rat. It's much bigger. No, not the spade. You'll hurt it. Dig with your hands, and let it hurt me instead. That's so likely, isn't it?" Said Cyril, seizing a spade. "Oh, don't," said Anthea. "Squirrel, don't. I. It sounds silly, but it said something. It really and truly did. What? It said, 'You let me alone.' They dug carefully, and suddenly a dry, husky voice in the sand made them all jump back, and their hearts jumped nearly as fast as they did. 'Let me alone,' it said. But we want to see you," said Robert bravely. "I wish you'd come out," said Anthea, also taking courage. "Oh well, if that's your wish," the voice said, and the sand stirred and spun and scattered, and something brown and furry and fat came rolling out into the hole, and the sand fell off it, and it sat there yawning and rubbing the ends of its eyes with its hands. I believe I must have dropped asleep," it said, stretching itself. The children stood round the hole, looking at the creature they had found. Its eyes were on long horns like a snail's eyes, and it could move them in and out like telescopes. It had ears like a bat's ears, and its tubby body was shaped like a spider's and covered with thick, soft fur. Its legs and arms were furry too. And it had hands and feet like a monkey's. What on earth is it? Jane said. Shall we take it home? The thing turned its long eyes to look at her and said, "Does she always talk nonsense, or is it only the rubbish on her head that makes her silly?" It looked scornfully at Jane's hat as it spoke. She doesn't mean to be silly, Anthea said gently. Don't be frightened. We don't want to hurt you, you know. Hurt me? It said. Me frightened? <laughs> Upon my word! Why, you talk as if I were nobody in particular. All its fur stood out like a cat's when it's going to fight. Well, said Anthea, still kindly. Who are you? And don't get angry because, really, we don't know. You don't know," it said. "Well, 
I knew the world had changed, but, well, really. Do you mean to tell me seriously you don't know a Samiad when you see one? A Samiad? That's Greek to me. So it is to everyone, said the creature sharply. Well, in plain English, then, a sand fairy. Don't you know a sand fairy when you see one? It looked so grieved and hurt that Jane hastened to say, Of course, I see you are now. It's quite plain. Now one comes to look at you. You came to look at me several sentences ago, it said crossly, beginning to curl up again in the sand. Oh, don't go away again. Do talk some more, Robert cried. I didn't know you were a sand fairy, but I knew directly I saw you that you were much the wonderfulest thing I'd ever seen. The Sand Fairy seemed a shade less disagreeable after this. If you talk nicely to me, perhaps I'll answer you, and perhaps I won't. Now, say something. Of course, no one could think of anything to say, but at last Robert thought of... How long have you lived here? Oh, ages. Several thousand years, replied the Samiad. Oh, tell us everything you can about yourself, Jane said. We don't know anything about you, and you were so nice. The Sand Fairy smoothed his long, rat-like whiskers and smiled between them. It drew its eyes in and said, How very sunny it is. Quite like old times. Where do you get your megatheriums from now? What? said the children all at once. Are pterodactyls plentiful now? the sand fairy went on. The children were unable to reply. What do you have for breakfast? the fairy said impatiently. And who gives it you? Eggs and bacon, bread and milk and porridge and things. And mother gives it us. What a mega what's-its-names and terra... What do you call thems? And does anyone have them for breakfast? Why, almost everyone had a pterodactyl for breakfast in my time. Pterodactyls were something like crocodiles and something like birds. Mm, you see, it was like this. Of course, there were heaps of sand fairies then. And in the morning early, you went out and hunted for them, and when you'd found one, it gave you your wish. People used to send their little boys down to the seashore early in the morning before breakfast to get the day's wishes, and very often the eldest boy in the family would be told to wish for a megatherium, ready-jointed for cooking. It was as big as an elephant, you see, so there was a good deal of meat on it. And if they wanted fish, the ichthyosaurus was asked for, and for poultry, there was the plesiosaurus. Uh, then the other children could wish for other things. But when people had dinner parties, it was nearly always megatheriums. And Ichthyosaurus, because his fins were a great delicacy, and his tail made soup. Of course, at sunset, what was left over turned into stone. You find the stone bones of the megatherium and things all over the place, even now, they tell me. Who tell you? asked Cyril. But the sand fairy frowned and began to dig very fast with its furry hands. Oh, don't go, they all cried. Tell us more about it, when it was megatheriums for breakfast. 
Was the world like this then? It stopped digging. Not a bit, it said. It was nearly all sand where I lived. We sand fairies used to live on the seashore, and the children used to come and make castles for us to live in. That's thousands of years ago, but I hear that children still build castles on the sand. But why did you stop living in the castles? asked Robert. Oh, it's a sad story, said the Samiad gloomily. It was because they would build moats to the castles, and the nasty, wet, bubbling sea used to come in. And, of course, as soon as a sand fairy got wet, it caught cold and generally died. And so there got to be fewer and fewer. And did you get wet? Robert inquired. The sand fairy shuddered. Only once, it said. The end of the twelfth hair of my top left whisker. I feel the place still in damp weather. It was only once, but it was quite enough for me. I scurried away to the back of the beach and dug myself a house deep in warm, dry sand, and there I've been ever since. And now I'm not going to tell you another thing. Just one more, please, said the children. Can you give wishes now? Of course, said it. Didn't I give you yours a few minutes ago? You said I wish you'd come out, and I did. Oh, please, make me have another. Yes, but be quick about it. I'm tired of you. I wish we were all as beautiful as the day, Anthea said in a great...